I'm Chris. And I'm Sean. And this is Monsters and Mythos, a podcast where we take a look at the races and monsters of D&D and compare them to their folklore and mythological counterparts in our real world. Today, we will be looking at harpies. Now, Sean, would you agree that harpies are easily top 10, if not top 5, monsters that a DM would reach for if he has to throw a quick fight at his players? Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, the, the typically chaotic evil, always some kind of monstrosity harpy. You know, a, a, an iconic enemy in many tabletop games and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it's, it's, there's no exception to it, you know. Uh, these sing-songy aerial women of death have uh, gotten a, a nice makeover through the ages. And uh, also, while typically an enemy of adventurers realm to realm... Uh, not always. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that uh, here in a bit. Good. And personally, I'm excited for the third act because I definitely have some ideas about harpies. That would just be wonderful ways to throw them at your players. So let's get started with the D and D background. Okay, so um, <clears throat> while uh, while there are a few subtle changes to the harpy and its lore in the many realms and editions of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, a lot has also stayed the same. So, getting right in. In older editions, the the harpy is sometimes described as uh, as being uh, that a, a being that has the face of an older woman. But the lower body is not only accompanied by you know massive wings, but looks to be very uh, reptilian in nature. Um, however, that's kind of directly contrast to the more modern editions that describe the harpy as a sort of you know cursed mixture of a vulture and an elven maiden. Uh, so. Uh, from some skelly reptile grandma to a, dulk, a dark vulture maiden hybrid, you know, uh, an interesting turn in appearance over the years, for sure. Uh, uh, their evil ways and tactics of terrorizing adventurers seems to stay somewhat consistent, however. <laughs> the harpy's musical voice has the, a bite of hypnotic charm to it that, uh, if one is not careful, may lead, you know, one off a cliff and onto the harpy's dinner table. Uh, so, well, uh, you following along? You got anything to add? Not currently. It sounds good. Although, the idea of an old hag harpy kind of reminds me of a hag raven from Skyrim. It does. That's that's kind of almost like the, uh, pretty close to the drawing in the uh, like older edition uh, monster manuals. <laughs> Um, so, um, so what is it about harpies that make them such great bad guys that they often find themselves, you know, find their ways into encounters throughout the realms? You know, long story short, uh, the diversity, uh, uh, our diversity of, uh, the ways you can apply this particular creature, uh, uh, to make a bad situation worse is astounding, you know, <laughs> um, so... 
Also, their typically evil and unsettling demeanor makes sympathy kind of hard. You know, it's not, you know, it's, you, you don't really stop and question them. It's usually like combat and go, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, as flying creatures and opportunists, they're a common encounter amongst the rigid and rocky mountain areas of the realms, possibly turning a casual travel into chaos and death. They aren't directly so strong that they outright murder lower-level PCs, but they are versatile enough to present a potentially lethal challenge in a multitude of ways. Uh, aside from being murderous meat-eaters, they also have been known to kind of like play with their food, uh, almost allowing, you know, redemption should a party actually fall prey to them. Uh, they are often drafted into aerial encounters as well, uh, for obvious reasons, you know, they fly. Uh, should players be flying somehow as they traverse the realms, uh, they're also good for uh, lower level encounters due to their singy-songy hypnotic powers presenting a difficult but not overwhelming challenge of preventing the party from willingly placing themselves in danger. Um, their choice of weapons and and way of nesting also adds to the you know hard to have sympathy for aspect and makes them easy to fear and or hate uh the bone club is the classic uh, tabletop rpg uh weapon of choice uh for the harpy usually a fresh and hefty leg bone of a recent humanoid victim you know uh, whether uh, the party encounters the uh, nest of the harpy before or after encountering the harpy, harpy themselves, aside from maybe a trinket or treasure, it also adds to their dislikability, you know, to, to quote the 5e monster manual, uh, when no uh, valuable objects can be found, a harpy takes hair, bones, or body parts to line its nest with, so it's likely, likely a, a foul experience altogether. Uh, uh, thoughts? Well, I mean, I know the harpy is evil, but at least it knows how to use all the part of its victim. Doesn't leave it to rot, it uses it for a nest. That's admirable. Resourceful evil. Some some would argue even worse kind. <laughs> um so, uh uh moving moving on, uh so while most of uh D&D puts kind of an evil and, and savage spin on the harpy, uh, uh, not always. Uh, while rare and possibly much more terrifying, we found a, a couple of uh, stat blocks in the older editions of uh, you know, the Harpy Archer, leaving behind the ways of her people to venture forth and, and hone her skills. Uh, it makes for a fun adversary or or an NPC maybe you know capable of of donning armor and and perhaps attuning a, a magic item or two. You know, you combo that with, you know, a superior bow, bow skills and possibly a magic bow or ammunition, you know, there's a lot to uh, kind of take and run with creatively. Whether like a mercenary selling services to the highest bidder, maybe unemployed highway robbers, you know, maybe leaders of a, a crime syndicate slash traveling band, you know. The Harpy's unique powers and temper temperament make it a fun uh, can make it like a fun challenge for high level parties as well. You know, rather than throw in you know the standard uh, a humanoid bad guy, like why not make it a Harpy? Why not take something that's typically seen as you know a grunt or like an encounter you know where 
you know, something that, uh, you're taking like a peon and now giving it, you know, some fancy new duds and, and making it far more capable, more like a boss, you know what I mean? So I, I think that's kind of a, a, a cool aspect for it. What do you think? Oh, definitely. And again, it's don't play into the stereotype. Take it and do something a little bit different. Uh, you know, they are dumb as hell. Their intelligence is a seven <laughs> I'm looking at. So they would make really good minions, especially if you have uh, some higher power sorcerer or something. And he's sending out all his harpies, or again, to be part of a crime syndicate. They are robbers. They don't need to think. They just get told to go rob that person, and now the woods become an incredibly dangerous place. Right, right. Um, so, uh, well, I don't got a whole lot more on, on the harpy uh, through the ages, you know. For for me, coming from a, a, a DM perspective, uh, Harpies are a fun way to shake things up um, and a good intro encounter to like a lower level party. Uh, give the party a, a flying enemy instead of a standing one is, is a fun and it's fun and kind of different, you know, uh, having them come up with creative ways to perhaps stop their allies from placing themselves in harm's way within the mechanics of the game due to the Harpies powers is also, you know, kind of fun and, and a different challenge than the outright, you know, grind of combat. Uh, uh, the Harpy is definitely a good test the waters monster uh, before sending a, a, you know, a party up against more powerful foes with, with more lethal abilities, you know. But it, it's one of the, usually in like a campaign setting, or uh, it's, it's, it's the first time you really get to combine combat mechanics and some critical thinking, you know. Uh, it's a super fun and, and easily applicable encounter for sure. And I think that, you know, the uh, versatility of, of the Harpy to make a bad situation worse is, is really why uh, uh, they are such a common encounter throughout the realms. Uh, and with that, I'll turn it over to you. What did, what did you dig up on, on the Harpy? So, as we begin Harpies, the first thing we need to do is separate Harpies from Sirens. Uh, in D&D, they pretty much combine them into one creature. However, in the Greek mythology, where they're originally found, singing to lure men was not a Harpy trait, but it was instead used by the Sirens, who were also half-women, half-bird creatures. Um, and sirens could be found in the tales of Jason and the Argonauts, as well as the Odyssey. Uh, in the tale with Jason, the Argonauts brought along Orpheus, who could sing and play so beautifully and loudly that he drowned out the sound of the sirens. So nobody could hear him, except for one of the heroes who did hear them with his sharp ears, jumped out of the boat into the water, and was only saved by Aphrodite. Then you get to the epic, the Odyssey, and the crew that sailed with Odysseus all plugged their ears with wax to tune out the sound, while Odysseus wanted to hear the sound and had himself tied to the mast. You know, when you're so desperate for something that you're willing to do something stupid to get it. But there was this thing with the sirens that if a man ever heard them sing and survived, they would kill themselves. So after Odysseus and his men sailed by, they 
drowned themselves in the sea. And then later, sirens got mixed with mermaids, and their singing to lure men carried over to mermaids. And it could be uh, an idea of the sirens dove into the sea to drown themselves, but got transformed. Uh, so, when we discuss harpies, especially in mythology, that singing is gone. So, one of your favorite elements about the harpy doesn't exist. Which I'm sure you'd find very disappointing. So disappointing. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> uh, the harpies, on the other hand, were wind spirits, usually tied to violent or sharp gusts of wind. When they were first depicted, they were depicted as lovely women, fair maidens with beautiful hair. However, it didn't take very long for them to be changed into the more ugly and hideous forms that they're now associated with. A reason for this could be due to the actions that they are required to carry out, including punishing uh, evildoers, which I'll get to in a bit. But when you think of punishment, it was usually associated with something hideous that fit the mo motif rather than a beautiful maiden. I mean, you think back through all the stories you could have ever heard, the bad person was always ugly. That's why you have old hags, old crones, trolls, ogres. None of them were given a flattering <laughs> opinion. And that could be a reason they changed it from the beautiful maiden to, you know, uh, ugly, foul, dank-ass bird. Uh... Now, harpies have been considered hounds of Zeus and messengers of Hades. One of their duties was to carry away evildoers in order for them to be punished by the Arenaeus, otherwise referred to as the Furies. And because of this, uh, they were believed to either carry men off wholly or just their soul. And so when a person would not show up and his disappearance was unexplained, harpies were blamed. He must have did something bad, and he got carried off to be punished for it. Same thing with property. If it goes missing, a harpy could have carried it off. Which, when blowing something away, a sharp gust can lift a umbrella off and throw it down the block. It's easy to see how that association of wind spirits, missing items, can be made. Now, the most popular story of harpies is found in Jason and the Argonauts, which does go to show that they did believe them to be two separate things. You have a harpies in one part of the story, sirens in another. So they definitely had two half-bird, half-women creatures. Um, there was once a king of Thrace named Phineas, and he had done something to upset the gods. Now, while there are different accounts as to what he did, the more common story element is that he was gifted with sight or prophecy, and instead of keeping his visions vague, as Apollo and the others wanted, and while the oracles, such as the one at Delphi, were vague with their answers, Phineas instead was specific about events that would occur in the future and was telling man too much. Uh, the second popular story is that he was just a total dick to his children. 
Uh, didn't get into specifics, just he ill-treated him. So I guess on Halloween, he ate all the good chocolate bars and left them with the uh, penny store candies. Like a true dick dad does every time. <laughs> Absolutely. But either way, his punishment was eternal hunger. Eternal hunger. He was set on an island with a table that would fill with a feast every day. Just ham, turkeys, potatoes, vegetables, rolls. But before he could even take a bite, the harpies would swoop in and steal all of his food. And the food, the scraps that got left behind were now covered in droppings and harpy feathers and vile spit that it was so disgusting and foul that Phineas could not even attempt to eat it. And this continued until the ship, the Argo, came ashore. On this ship, there was two brothers, uh, the Bordeas, Bordeas, uh, that were said to be sons of the North Wind. And it was destined for them to kill these harpies or be killed by them. And so they fought off the harpies and chased them back to their home, possibly in Crete or um, I think it's called the Stophrates. Uh, islands and they were either all killed mostly killed with a few left uh, alone to live or the goddess Isis showed up and told the Argonauts to halt their attack and leave the harpies alone the work set forth for them was completed and they would harass Phineas no more so since they no longer had a reason to chase them off and kill them since they wouldn't return they allowed a few to live uh, and for this act, Phineas then gave Jason instructions on how to complete his travels or to advance further through them. Um, and so this does show a difference in harpies from being just common monsters to harass the heroes and instead the executioners of punishments ordered by the gods. The Greeks are not the only ones to have half-human, half-bird creatures, and they are not all violent monsters. In Buddhism, there is the Kanara. Their bottom half is taken from a swan. The Kanari are male, the Kanara are female, and they are associated with music and love. So they would definitely have a more peaceful and happy tone to them. And they are more likely to play instruments and dance than they are to attack anyone. Uh, Slavic mythology has the Alkanast, which was a half-woman, half-bird creature with a beautiful woman for the top half, along with such a beautiful voice that men would just feel intense happiness and forget about their cares and could get lost with them. And with that, you're seeing the sirens come into play. The counterpart to the Alkanost was the Siren, which definitely is taken from Siren, which will lure men into danger with her singing, you know, just like the Sirens of Greece. So you got two opposite ends of the coin, one that can make you happy and you, you'll care a little less, but you're safe. And the other one who does the exact same thing, 
but uses that talent for mischief. And so, you know, those were a couple of the uh, stories taken, but definitely a more focus on the harpy in Greek mythology, as that's where their name ca uh, came from. So, while thinking of what you could do with these, my two big things are, one, you don't have to have one type of harpy. You can have the harpies found in the mountains and hills area that are the violent ready to slash you but you can also have a type that maybe is close to druids and they sing and dance along with them and, and so they're peaceful or you can have that alkanast and siren uh coin flip where they're practically the same but one's good one's evil and your players don't know which is which, so they can't go, can't or won't go in just swinging because what if this is the friendly one who can help us and give us benefit or a boon, even a temporary one, with her singing? Or is it the one who will make us think that and then slaughter us in our sleep? Oh, you feel yeah, me? That, that's a definitely a good uh, uh, point you make there. I never actually really considered, like, you know, using the harpy as like the neutral at, at best you know because it's typically an evil creature so when you kind of put a spin on it like that where there you know there is a good version of it out there like that's uh that's a whole nother uh you know well, once again we're back to what i like to call thought fodder you know that's a whole situation in and of itself you could take advantage of you know narratively dm or player alike you know oh absolutely and my favorite thought i had is as a DM perspective. You want an overreaching arch while your players come through and they come across some harpies attacking a man. Now, again, they're still semi-low level. Would you say a party of four, level fours or so could come across a few. And since they were used as punishment by the gods, Say a god sent these harpies, and by killing them, the party just drew the ire of the god. And so as the story progresses and they're doing all this other stuff, they keep getting these bad luck things happening, and they don't know why. And that's, so a, thought, that's a really good perspective on it, too, man. Yeah, you're, uh, you're two for two right there. That's another perspective, Leo. Uh, that I, I didn't really, uh, or at least haven't, uh, both as a player or a dungeon master, uh, typically uh, used like the uh, Roman, I guess, it was it Roman, the template where they were servants of the gods? Greek. I think? Greek, yeah, Greek. So yeah, that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it as well. I, you're, uh, you're teaching me shit once again. <laughs> and you know, really, I think that's why this was such a fun idea, because you have what shows up in the monster manual of Bolo's Guide to Monsters and every other source book, but they all follow a certain element. Meanwhile, when you look at their counterparts, it's like, oh, I could do this with that because it would fit, or I could do that because this one small element found, you know, and people I can talk to on the internet <laughs> says that this is a possibility and it just 
sometimes opens ideas of that seem obvious after you hear it or you think about it. But beforehand, it's just like, no, that's nowhere near. So it just seems completely off and it doesn't even enter the brain. Right. That's true. That's true. And, uh, yeah. Well, um, do you have anything else to uh, add to the subject? I don't. Do you have any questions or? Um, what was the name? Uh, you oh man, uh, the Slavic one again. Tell what was the name of that one again? Actually, uh, it's called the, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, but honestly, every language has such a different dialect. I sometimes use Spanish when I'm trying to say something in, like, a Chinese dialect to get a name right. So, I hope I don't butcher this too much. But it's the Alkanost. A-L-K-O-N-O-S-T. Yeah, I never, uh, I, I never heard of that particular uh, 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 version or, or cryptid, rather. That was that was pretty interesting and uh, definitely definitely worth lo looking into. A couple of different uh, viewpoints on on the uh, typically evil creature. You know, having a yin to the yang. You know, I like it. Oh, absolutely. And when you get people who see something and it's always the same common response. Oh, there's harpies. They're evil. There's a dragon. It's stealing stuff. There's trolls. They're stupid. You know, if you can find a way to throw a wrench in that to where your players expect A to happen, but F happens instead. Now they're scrambling. <laughs> And it gives you time to lay a few other breadcrumbs. Yeah, and uh, and mechanically it works differently too. I think that's kind of part of the fun of Dungeons and Dragons when you get into like the actual game mechanics. Is you know, combat is combat. Sometimes you just gotta uh, grind through. You know, it comes down to the uh, uh, damage per round and and who's doing what and you know, a, a teamwork and 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 so on and so forth. But uh when you oh, put when you put other elements in you know like you know the uh sing-songy powers that you know could potentially aid or or harm you depending on the you know overall disposition of this being you're now you know unsure is you know uh uncertainty you know it's uh i don't know adds a whole nother element to the harpy which is already a pretty uh uh, uh standard you know apply this enemy here you know and uh yeah you might you might be onto something there we, we might have to tinker with that oh most definitely all right so um in closing uh if you have not heard uh got enough of me and chris talking uh or you want to see my awkward ass uh record uh these uh, podcasts uh, go ahead and run on over to our instagram uh, tater brain pod has an instagram that's up and running and also um a, a youtube channel so check us out there you know and uh, catch me and chris maybe doing more nerdy shit in that neck of the woods uh, anything you want to add chris and if you have any questions comments ideas or you want to hear a specific uh race or creature mentioned sooner rather than later Feel free to email us at monstersandmythos at gmail.com. The and is spelled out. Otherwise, we will see you 
in two weeks on Thursday.